my animal fluency is very poor. I'm constantly getting corrected by this animal doesn't do that, this does, animal doesn't do that. For example, donkeys bray, right? They bray. Yes. So and like horses neigh. Horses neigh, donkeys bray, sheep bleat? Bleat, yes. Pigs? Pigs. Okay, wait. No, I'm wrong. Goats. Goats bleat. So here's the difference between a goat and a sheep. Oh. A goat bleats. A goat bleats. Because a goat's sound, all animals make many sounds. But what we think of as goat is The sheep, on the other hand, goes Right. It's very different, right? So, but yeah, goats bleat, cows moo. I don't know what pigs do. Pigs boing. I mean, do they really oink? No. <clears throat> I've never <clears throat> heard an oink. <clears throat> well, because they don't oink. It's more like, it's a lot more like, <clears throat> well, here's what it is. Here's, here's my pig imitation. <clears throat> yes, that was good. That, now that's just, that's what we identify as oink. But they also growl, they scream, they cry, they laugh. These they have all so many different vocalizations. They all do. Yeah, I think it's amazing the whole idea of language or what we think of as language and the communication skills of different animals. I know. And we're so arrogant. We yeah. think that because they don't have our words, they're not talking. Yeah. They're talking all the time. It's a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it One park blues, half an ounce of an idiot Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city, yeah At first I hurt my feelings but it's kinda got her into it When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes long to be a local so for now I'm a city, yeah Zucker and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 75, Sanctuary. You know I love animals and learning about them. Episode 35 was called Animals, including ducks and sheep. Episode 44 was my obsession about chickens with a guest farmer, Ryan, explaining the differences and the chicken librarian presenting the chicken song. Then episode 46 was about domestic pets, starting with the story of our dog Ezra being a city dog and trying to find his way to Statsburg. I can't imagine a season of City where we don't talk about the experience with animals, since they're so central to life here, whether it's farm animals, animals that show up in your yard, or animals that need your help. This episode, we're going to learn about Catskill Animal Sanctuary, a 150-acre refuge in the Hudson Valley, hear a lot about animals by name, and get advice about how to interact with them from a one-on-one with Kathy Stevens, president and co-founder of Catskill Animal Sanctuary in Saugert East, New York. This episode, we also welcome new sponsor, Sunflower Market, an amazing natural market with stores in Woodstock and Rhinebeck, a perfect fit for City It, with a lot to share with us along the way. But first, let's meet Kathy, hear her story about Catskill Animal Sanctuary 
and what it's all about. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on City It. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I've done a lot of episodes that touch on animals. I did one on chickens, but I'm really doing it from such an amateur point of view and such an distance, such an arm's distance about it, that it's really exciting to talk to you more specifically about what, I don't know, what animals are like in this region and how to take care of them and what they go through. So I don't know where a good place to start, maybe to tell us a little bit about you and your journey and then talk about the sanctuary. I had the gift of growing up on a farm. On a, It was a horse farm in Virginia. It was a thoroughbred breeding and training farm, but we always had other animals. We had a donkey named Linda. We had goats named Noodles and Missy. I had lots of ponies and I used to sneak one of them Ludwell into the house when my parents were gone. And so I've always had in my DNA this recognition, not only a deep love for animals, but this recognition that there's so much more than the world wants us to understand. The entities that are invested in their exploitation want us to know. I've known that. I didn't know it consciously, but I've always known it. So I moved to Boston for grad school. I became a high school English teacher and did that for 10 years and then was invited to become the principal of a new high school that was opening in Boston. Now, it was a media and technology high school. And yes, even though I'm on this device and yes, even though I have a podcast, I cannot wait to live in a treehouse and eat mangoes and throw away every single <laughs> device that I have ever owned. Technology and I are not good bedfellows. So I turned down the job because it just wasn't the right fit. That came as quite a shock because I'd always imagined that this would be my path. And I resigned from teaching because it, it felt that opportunity and the fact that I had turned it down made me realize that I was really at a pivotal moment. So I started to ask myself what I wanted to do. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I took a few months off. And finally, what occurred to me is that I wanted to combine my love for teaching and learning with my love for animals. And so Catskill Animal Sanctuary was born from the desire to marry those two passions. And that was 22 years ago. Yeah. So talk about the teaching part of it, because for me, the love of animals is easy to get to sanctuary. What kind of teaching happens? Is it teaching the community about oh the goodness. value of animals? Is it teaching people to become vets or something? No, it's teaching people not to eat animals. Oh, okay. So that's central. Yes. So we, we accept 10 species of farmed animals, horses, cows, goats, ducks, sheep, pig, pigs, chickens, turkeys, geese, um, donkeys. So all of those, with the exception of horses and donkeys, but e even though horses are eaten in many, many parts of the world, they're not eaten here. They are killed. They are sent to slaughter here, mm. you know, but they're not consumed in the United States. All of these animals are animals that most of us consider food. So the first part of our mission is to rescue animals from urgent situations, from cruelty situations, from animal hoarders, from neglect, 
somebody has moved away and left a bunch of animals, but a lot of them, some, and there's a category of rescue we do that we just label random acts of callousness. A guy opened his mailbox and somebody had stuffed a chicken in the mailbox. So they're all kinds of- Does that happen? Does that happen? Oh, that happened. We once rescued a potbelly pig who'd been left in a toilet at a, at, in a toilet stall at a travel stop. So like all kinds of things. So that's the first half of the mission. And it is our privilege and our gift to be able to look into the eyes of these animals who's, who've never known love. They've never known a moment's safety or kindness. Um, and to say to them, you're safe, you're loved, and you matter. And then what's wonderful, not only is that heartwarming work, but then they become the ambassadors, better ambassadors than any of us, any humans, for the second part of our mission. And the second part of our mission, Matt, is this. We want to create a plant-based world. And here is why. Nobody's waking up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to torture animals at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nobody's doing that, right? Most of us identify as animal lovers. Do you love animals? Yes. Most of us consider ourselves animals. And, and yet the act of eating subjects billions of animals every single year to a level of torture you would not wish upon the vilest human being your mind could possibly conjure up. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's not healthy for us, despite all the garbage we've been told. And number three, it is the leading cause or a leading cause of every single challenge we face environmentally. Water pollution, destruction of the ozone, the tops erosion, climate change in particular, you know, people are attached to how they live. So you cannot judge. The only people I grow impatient with in this process are the people who've eaten meat and dairy for make up the time, 42 years of their life. And then they decide they don't want to. And then the next day they become this judgmental vegan. Yeah. <laughs> right, right? I, have no that. I have no tolerance that. for those people. For as long as I've been vegan, I've still eaten meat longer than that. So our programming is designed with the understanding that nobody's trying to hurt animals. We're just trying to feed ourselves. And so you've got to lead with love. You've got to be encouraging. You've got to show them, people, that vegan cooking is easy and delicious and healthy and affordable. And you have to set up situations in which people come down the driveway and they see who the animals are. And in a moment, they understand because they don't expect chickens to fall asleep in their lap. They don't expect little potbelly pigs to follow them around on their tours. They don't expect turkeys to hold, to, to wrap their heads over their shoulders to give them a hug. The tours change people. So the education piece is showing people who the animals are and then helping them understand why it's important not to eat them. Mm-hmm. 
For over 44 years, Sunflower Market has focused on offering the best local, organic, all-natural produce and plant-based products to our communities, while proudly promoting the compassionate vegan lifestyle. Their stores in Woodstock and Rhinebeck are full of guilt-free, plant-based alternatives for many traditional dairy and animal-based products, including house-made vegan grab-and-go snacks, sides, and meals, all made fresh in their kitchen daily. So after a day at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary, stop on by Sunflower Market to find products you can be proud of to serve your family and friends. Thanks, Sunflower. Let's talk about the tours for a second. Can you give me an idea of what to expect or what I might find when I go on one? Well, you'll find lots of goats following you around. Oh, good. I love uh, goats. Probably lots of sheep. We have a, a phenomenon called the underfoot family. And the underfoot family used to be very small. They are the animals that we let out of the stalls every day. And from, you know, early morning until the end of the day, they get to roam wherever they want on the grounds, but they are frequently underfoot. <laughs> so you will f- experience lots of goats and sheep sort of coming up to say hello. You will, depending on the, the temperature, you'll meet all those species I named. Sorry, my dog is barking, everybody. You'll meet all those species, including a 3,000 pound cow who's six four at the shoulder named Tucker who <laughs> would not intentionally step on an ant he's a breathtakingly kind being a 32 year old blind horse named Buddy some baby goats and you know it's a leisurely walk around a fairly big property with a big old pond surrounded by willow trees with very well-trained, but very warm and engaging and non-judgmental tour guides. Nice. And certain weekends, we have food samples, free food samples that we hand out. There's a a welcome hut where you can get, you know, the CAS merch. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the experience. And are there certain ways we should interact with animals? Do they have different like behaviors that, you know, humans should do? Oh, yeah. So we have a mantra that says, in the ways that truly matter, we're all the same. Hmm. And, and by we, we mean all, not only all people, but all species. So here's what I mean. 10 chickens are as individual as 10 children. Every animal of every species is very much an individual. So with the chickens, you've got the talker, 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 the one who wants to just be picked up and carried around all day. You've got the not the sharpest knife in the drawer one. You've got the hilarious one. You've got you've got the shy kind of loner one who sits back. So how to engage is all about who that individual animal is. And the tour guides will tell you how to read the animal. And we always say, let the animal come to you. Okay. Don't, don't be the needy human who runs up to a blind animal. Right? They're very clear in how to engage. But some of the simple things are you want to take your sunglasses off. If you have a hat on, you want to take your hat off because the animals want to make eye contact in the same way that we do. Oh, good tip. If they are shy, sit on the ground. Be very still. Don't use a loud voice. Hold your hand in front of you and let them come to your hand. 
you know, a lot of people, when they move to the country, they fantasize about having animals, right? You know, mm-hmm. chickens come up the most common. I did a whole episode on that. Donkeys come up sometimes. Horses, of course, if people are horse lovers, though, they need a certain amount of space. Do you have any advice or any opinions on people adopting animals? Because, you know, it could be a bad thing too, right? My advice would be go very, 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 very slowly. And my second piece of advice would be volunteer at an animal sanctuary because people tend to romanticize it. Just like, I'll never forget the first dog I got. It's like, mother of God, this is a lot of work. (laughs) I mean, I adored her, but it was a little bit like having a child. And so, you know, if you're going to be a responsible companion to any kind of animal, then you've got to ask those, those hard questions about whether or not you really have not only all the, the right resources, the physical resources, the physical space, the money, the time, and the expertise to care well for that animal, you know? And so having seen so many adoptions go awry, I, I do suggest those two things, unless people have owned horses in the past, for example, I really suggest going very, very, very slowly, doing all your homework and then volunteering at a sanctuary to really under, or a, or a boarding for somewhere so that you can really understand all that that's involved. And then the third thing is, Matt, there are so few requirements, space requirements for animals. And just because you have half an acre of land doesn't mean you should fence in a quarter acre for a horse and put a horse on a quarter acre. A horse want horses want to run. Horses need acres, plural. And just because it's legal to put a chicken in a box if you feel like it. There are no laws that protect chickens. Doesn't mean you should get one of those stupid it's a little, chicken things on Amazon that give chickens two by three feet of space. Right. That's cruel. Right. right. And what are, if people want to get closer to animals, what are ways maybe with the Catskill Animal Sanctuary or anywhere that they could do that? You mentioned volunteering. What would that look like? Oh my goodness. There's so many sanctuaries. And if you people want to get closer to animals, I would suggest that the sanctuaries are the very best places because we are the place, good sanctuaries, and there are some bad ones out there, of course, but good sanctuaries are places where animals are most able to live a more natural life. There are so many volunteer opportunities, including with animal care and at least at Catskill and at, at a lot of others. You don't necessarily have to have experience. You have to have a relatively decent back and be able to be somewhat physical if you want to have direct hands-on care with the animals. But then there are all kinds of other opportunities to volunteer, whether you're, as we always say, if you have a skill and you love animals, we can figure out how to keep you busy. If you like to garden, sign right up, <laughs> right? If you're a landscaper, if you're an accountant, if you're like whatever skill you have, if you're a graphic designer, think about the 
sanctuaries are businesses. So in the same way, they're nonprofit businesses, but in the same way that a growing business needs all kinds of skills, so do animal sanctuaries. Oh, so if people want to get involved, they should just contact it and then you, they should you'll, just go to the website. They should just go to the website and there will be a link to volunteer. And then there's a couple other ways to visit the sanctuary. I saw you. There's, is there a guest house? Yeah, we have a beautiful, beautiful bed and breakfast called the Homestead that has a fascinating history that I won't go into, but it was built the second version of it after the first version of it was hit by a cannonball, sort of telling you the story, was built in 1813. And it's a fully renovated, breathtakingly beautiful four bedroom house. One of the bedrooms is probably a 700 square foot one bedroom apartment, you know, full apartment, kitchen, living room. And you can register to stay right online. You can access any of what we are offering through our website. You know, if you're if you're new moving up and you've never really even been around animals, what else do you think the newcomer should know about a sanctuary or about yours? One of the things that makes us unique is our programming. So I have a podcast. We have a vegan chef who is about to pilot a program for people interested in going more plant-based. We've got all kinds of virtual programming. We're launching Spanish-speaking tours. So one of the things about our sanctuary is all of that. There's all of that available. But if people love animals, another thing to know is that in the Hudson Valley, there are a lot of good sanctuaries. So if you just Google farm sanctuaries near me, you'll see Catskill Animal Sanctuary. You'll see Woodstock Farm Sanctuary. You'll see Safe Haven Sanctuary. You could do a sanctuary a weekend if you find these places calling to you. And how do you find the the animals? Do people just call up randomly or do you seek out different? How does it happen? No, we turn down animals every single day. Oh, that must be hard. It, It is so hard. It is devastating because, because often they have no other option. So what do you do? We, well, there are, I mean, you have to say, no, you have to expect your own limits, respect your own limits. It costs a small fortune to take care of one horse. And we have 18, you know, and we have 50 goats and we, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to respect your human resources your financial resources and your space resources, or you're going to become one of those sanctuaries that are in trouble. Hmm. So we network. Sanctuaries are much better than we used to be at networking with each other so that if, for example, we can't take an animal or usually it's many, many animals because often it's a cruelty case or it's an industry that's shutting down and is about to, for example, gas or crush or suffocate thousands of chickens. So, yeah. So we network like nobody's business to help as many as we can. But Matt, you could open a thousand sanctuaries tomorrow and not make a dent in this need. We will not solve this until we humans stop acting as if we are the only ones who matter. That's incredible. How many, how many, and how many chickens can you handle at a time? So theoretically, 
we've got room for a couple hundred chickens, but in fact, it depends on all kinds of things. What's their health status? Or what's the ratio of, of roosters to hens? So it's impossible to say we've got room for four horses, three pigs, five cows, and 11 chickens. It just each, each, and, and by the way, sanctuaries are always full. Oh. So yeah, it's tough. What about you and the Catskills and the Hudson Valley? I ask every guest about their favorite go-to place, you know, outside of where they work for inspiration or solace. I love that question. And because I love to hike, bike, walk my dogs, kayak, I have so many places that really are my favorites. So can I name more than one? Yeah, name a few, (laughs) especially if we haven't heard of them, you know, that's fun. Well, right near me is a park called Ulster Landing Park. And it's also sometimes called Sojourner Truth. But what's confusing is that there are a number of Sojourner Truth parks. Ulster Landing Park is 150 or so acres with lots of different hiking trails and a very nice section of beach and places where you can really feel lost and all alone and places where there are plenty of people around. I love Wyndham Path in Wyndham and I love Oh my goodness. Platt Cove with, Where, with Platt Cove. That? It's at the, it's in West Saugerties and it's a breathtaking drive up the mountain. You kind of feel like you're on the West coast and you park and there are any number of beautiful four, seven, eight, 15 mile hikes. Now these are for fairly serious hikers. Don't go up there with your sneakers. Don't be city. It's and go there. <laughs> Don't be idiots and go up there with your flip flops. Put on some serious hiking boots and take a shit ton of water because they're serious hikes, but just breathtaking up there. Oh, that's great! Thanks. I, I don't know any of those places, so I'm really happy. I'm thinking of making a map. Oh, Platt Cove is wonderful. Oh, nice. Only open, not open December fifteenth through April fifteenth. Good. I interviewed Sean O'Dwyer, who runs mountainhiking.com. It's a big blog for hikers. Yeah. And and he was really funny and gave a lot of advice, like don't wear the flip-flops and, you know, safety and hiking and like a serious, he's like a serious. It's so funny. Yeah. People, people come to the sanctuary to volunteer. City people come to the sanctuary to volunteer in flip-flops. It's like, are you kidding? You're going to be in the field with 2000 pound animals. What should I wear to volunteer? Uh, hiking boots, sturdy shoes, whatever that means for you, not flip-flops and, and long pants and, and clothes you're prepared to throw away, like the worst clothes you own because, you know, that have absolutely no value to you because you'll get filthy. (laughs) (laughs) You will be filthy. That is a promise. This is why I haven't done it yet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, you could be one of those, you could be one of those volunteers, Matt. I'm more of a director. Can, can, I, can I brush the horses, please? Oh, a director. Yeah. You can ring up, ring up merchandise in the air conditioned welcome hut. <laughs> That's me. Okay. Don't you want to visit Catskill Animal Sanctuary now? I do. You can buy tickets for a tour or a day stroll on their website for you or the family, and also donate and look for ways to volunteer. Tell them City It sent you. 
And thank you, Sunflower Market, for being the show's newest partner. Brian just handed me a list of things he wants me to pick up, and it all looks delicious. On Cydia.com and in the show notes, you can find links. Follow Sunflower and Catskill Animal Sanctuary on social, their websites. Plus, on our blog, there's a big calendar listing of fall events across the Hudson Valley that I started. Please let me know others I should add to it. I'm Matt Zucker, ready for fall, the harvest, and all the festivals. Come visit. Down in the valley, moved up from the city, it's a new way of living, and I'm trying to get used to it. One park, two, seven ounce of an idiot, ordered a Manhattan, and they call me a city, yeah. I'm a city, I'm a city, I'm a city, I'm a city.